loves you. God loves you. I've heard that my entire life. And while I can understand how God would love you, it's hard for me to understand how God could really love me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I can see how God loves the world or how God loves you. But when it comes to me, I know how bad I am. And I know how insignificant I feel. God loves you! God loves you! God loves you! So when I understand that God could love you, it's still hard for me to understand how he can love me. Well, welcome today to One Prayer Churches in countries around the world. My name is Craig Rochelle, and it's one of the greatest honors of my entire life to unite with you, to stand with your churches, your pastors, and together talk about who God is. Imagine thousands of churches and countries around the world united together to talk about who God is. Is. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the attributes of God. I want to talk to you about his unconditional love for us. And as I do, I'll just tell you honestly, I've heard my whole life that God loves you. God loves you. And I believe with all my heart, God loves you. But it's often hard to apply his love toward me because I know how insignificant and unworthy I feel. And as we talk about God's love, I want to start today with two questions that I've often asked myself, and perhaps many of you can relate. The first question, if you're taking notes, that I've asked myself over and over again is this. Why would God love someone as bad as me? Why would God love someone as bad as me? You see, I know all the things that I've done wrong. I know all the dark thoughts that I've had. I know all the people that I've hurt. In fact, one time years ago, right before I was going to preach, I did something that just made me feel so undeserving of the love of God. Where I live, many of us have basements, and we bought a house that had a basement. Well, no one told me that basements often flood. And so we put all our valuables down in the basement, and one day before I was gonna preach, this big rainstorm hit, and our basement flooded, and we had my wife Amy's wedding dress down there and other stuff, and she was like, save the day! And so I ran down there as heroic as I could and got in the basement. I was standing waist deep in water, and I was looking for the sump pump that the previous owners had left to pump out the water. And so I was diving down into the water, trying to be a hero, and finally I found the cord to the sump pump, and I pulled it out, and I looked at it, and I thought, where do you plug this thing in? I looked above me, and there was a rafter with an extension cord coming over the top, and I thought, oh, there is where you plug this in. In waist deep of water, with my wife screaming, save the day, I held one cord and another one and thought to myself, if I'm really fast, <laughs> like faster than the speed of electricity, I can do this. And she was like, save everything, but don't die. And all I remember saying was, pray for me. <laughs> and when I touched the prongs together, this bolt of electricity shot 
through my body something fierce. And as it was shooting through my body, this bad word formed at the back <laughs> of my brain. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm not one who says bad words. I used to, but, but I'm not now. And this word formed and the electrical current forced it out. And this bad word didn't just come out, but it kept coming out. It was a and my wife was looking on there going, my husband who's about to meet God, his last word on earth is going to be the granddaddy of them all. Well, obviously I lived to, to tell about it, but I walked out of there, hair standing straight up, just dropping the big one, and, and, and I, I felt so unbelievably unworthy and sinful. I was to preach that night about the Lordship of Christ, and out of my heart just came one of the most filthy words of all time. And that may not sound like a big deal to you, but it really is a big deal I mean, how, how could God love someone as bad as me? And that's just a story I can tell you about. I mean, there's a lot of other ones I could tell you, but if I did, you'd never come back to church as long as you live. I mean, because I've done so many things wrong, and I feel so unworthy. I'm just curious that all of our One Prayer churches, people participating around the world, how many of you would say, you know, I've often felt unworthy or undeserving of the love of God? Would you raise up your hands? A lot of us have. In fact, even as you look in Scripture, you can see, people in the Bible that evidently felt this way as well. You can look at Job whenever Job really saw God in his purest essence. Here's what Job said in Job 42 verses 5 and 6. He said, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He said, therefore I what? All of our one prayer churches, would you say that aloud? He said, therefore I, I don't even like myself. I can't stand me. I despise myself. Paul, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he was reflecting on all the bad things he had done, and he said, for I am the what? He said, for I'm the, I'm the least of the apostles, that I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And you can almost hear his insecurity as he goes back through his life and realized, before I was a Christian, I used to kill Christians. You know, how could God love someone as bad as me? The second question that I often ask myself is this, why would God love someone so insignificant? You ever feel this way? We, we think, okay, six billion people on planet Earth, people all over the world, and, and God's got these big things going. I mean, he's got wars, and he's got natural disasters to handle, he's got uh, epidemics and pandemics, he's got poverty, starvation, he's got all these different diseases, and, and, and who am I? world leaders and big players, and yet I'm just one of six billion people. Who am I in this whole scheme of thing that God would know me and love me? In fact, when you read in the Old Testament, you can see some of the biblical players who perhaps had similar feelings of insignificance. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, when God was going to raise Moses up to help deliver the Israelites. He said, Moses, here's your job. But Moses said to the Lord God, he said what? Would you say it aloud? He said, who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm not good enough. I'm, un I'm insignificant. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? 
David said the exact same words whenever he had God's people together and they were going to worship God and, and give to God. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14, he said, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Who are we? I mean, everything we have is from you. We're, we're bad and we're insignificant. God, how could you love someone like me? I was on an airplane one time having a great conversation with this guy next to me. We were just getting along great until he asked me what I did for a living. What do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm actually a pastor of a church. And all of a sudden, his countenance changed, his mood changed. He said, well, I want you to know I don't believe in God, so don't talk to me about him. I said, fair enough. And he said, I don't think you understand me. I said, I don't believe in God, and I don't want to talk about him. I said, I heard you. He said a third time, he said, do you hear what I said? Don't be witnessing to me. Don't be pushing religion on me. I don't believe in God. And so I thought to myself, well, obviously you want to talk about him even though you said you didn't. So I said, why don't you tell me about the God you don't believe in? And I, he said, I will. <laughs> so he got into this deal. He said, I don't believe in a God who's angry at people and is waiting for people to sin. And as soon as they sin, he writes them off and takes great delight in sending them to hell. I don't believe in a God like that. I went, wow, dude, check it out. I don't believe in that God either. He said, huh, what do you mean? I said, no, 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 no. When I read scripture, I read about a God who, who yes, is just, and yes, sometimes people do go to hell, but I read about a God who doesn't just love you, because maybe you've heard that your whole life. God doesn't just love, but God is love. You see, love is not just something that God does, but love is who God is. Would you write that down? Who is God? God is love. At one prayer churches in countries around the world, voices uniting, would you say that aloud? Who is God? Say it aloud. God is love. One more time, churches around the world in unison, who is God? Say it aloud. God is love. Scripture says it. Help me out. 1 John 4, 8. Who is God? One more time. Who is God? The Bible says it. God is love. Check this out. And this is how God showed his love among us. You want to know how God showed it? Here's how. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. You want to know what love is? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that what? Say it aloud. One prayer church is everywhere. But that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love is not just what God does. It's who he is. And when we recognize it's not just an action that God does, but it's a reflection of the essence of who he is, that changes everything. Then we don't just believe it's out there somewhere. God loves you, but because of who he is, there's nothing that I can do to earn more love or nothing that I can do to stop him from loving me because it's not just something he does, you see. It's who God is. Well, let me explain it to you this way because so many people have a hard time recognizing his love. I put together a list of different types of people that God loves, starting with A's, B's and C's. We could have gone through the whole alphabet, but that would take like a month. So I'll just give you some A, B's and C's. 
of who God loves. Are you ready? Let's start with A's. Who does God love? A's. God loves artists. And astronauts. And aerospace engineers. God loves accordion players. Hard to believe, but it's true. God loves ankle biters, animal rights activists, airplane pilots, athletes, acrobats, and accountants, especially during tax season. God loves people from Alabama, Alaska, Africa, Albania. God loves absent-minded people, awkward people, assertive people, authoritarian people, antisocial people, and even aggravating people. Yes, God loves the person sitting right by you. Who does God love? Bees. God loves babies and boys and bankers and band leaders and ballerinas and Bible readers and biology teachers, bird watchers, bus drivers, bookworms, bachelors, botanists, bowlers, baby boomers, boomerang throwers, beekeepers, BBC watchers, blondes, brunettes, and people with blue hair. I just had to include blue hair so we could make sure we covered everybody on Christian television from around <laughs> the world. Who does God love? God loves boars, the beat up, the burned out, bosses, braggers, bag ladies, bartenders, brats, people with braces, bushmen, and Baptists. Not only does God love Baptists, sees he loves, he loves Catholics and Charismatics and Congregationalists and Congressmen and crooks and creeps and cheaters and charlatans and country music fans. That's how big his love is. God loves Cubans and Caucasians and Czechoslovakians and Californians and Cambodians and Cherokees and Comanches and Cajuns. God loves cooks and celebrities, cops, cheerleaders, clowns, sheepskakes, comedians, and God even loves people who own cats. <laughs> he does. I hate cats, and yet my kids love cats, therefore I have a cat. And my cat, as I speak, is about to give birth to kittens. That's right. I have a cat. I'll tell you how bad my cat is. We don't even know who the father is. <laughs> See how those cats are. God doesn't just love, you see, it's who he is. And when we recognize who he is, that he is love, that changes everything. So the next time you feel unworthy and undeserving, remember this if you're taking notes, that God's love covers your sins. God's love, Jesus shed his blood as a covering for our sins. First Peter 4, 8 says that love covers a multitude of sins. God's love, it covers your sins. And this is so important to me because I did so many things wrong. And growing up, I never felt worthy of God's love. So I thought, I gotta work harder and I gotta stop doing bad things, I gotta be religious, and the more I tried to be religious, the more I seemed to do bad things, and it wasn't until I was in college, and I was lost in the middle of more sin than you could ever imagine, that I started reading the Bible, and I read that God truly loved me through Christ, and that I could be made right with him, not by my works, but by the love of God, and by his grace, and through his mercy, and when I, when I understood that, the only way I could describe it, there's a biblical term that is born again, and that is the most accurate statement I could ever say. I was new, 
I was like born spiritually. There was something spiritually in me that burst to life and my old nature was gone and everything became new and I, I, was, um, I was a different person. So I went back into the bar scene that I came out of because I loved those people. I went back in not to drink but instead to offer living water and to share with them about this Christ who changed me and I found that drunk people actually love to talk about God. And they also, they all loved me. Every single drunk person loved me. Love you, man. Love you, man. I love, they all loved me. But anyway, we're in there talking one day to a guy who loved me, and we're just talking away, and he was very interested in, in talking about God. Well, he was so interested, he said, the music's too loud, can we go outside? And so we went outside, and as we walked out in the bar, across the street there was a flatbed trailer with a street preacher on it, okay? Now, my first thought was, oh, Praise God, I've got reinforcements. I'm working on the guy inside, this guy's on the outside, we're gonna tag team him, but what I didn't realize is this was a ticked off, angry street preacher. Now, I don't know in your countries if you have ticked off, angry street preachers, but in my country, every now and then there's people that they're on a mission to show how angry they are and preach about it. And that's what this guy was doing. He pointed right at me, and he said, you're going to hell, you fornicating sinner. I was like, dude, no, 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 no. I was, he was, not now, this way, this guy. He, working on him. And the guy, he started pointing back at me, no, you're going to hell. Well, my drunk friend who loved me didn't like the guy who was telling me to go to hell. So he looked at me and said, no, he's not going to hell. Pointed right at the street preacher guy and said, you're going to hell and I'm about to send you there. And this, God is my witness, this is a totally true story, which just the fact that I have to tell you this is true implies that some of the rest of mine might not be as true, but hang in there with me. And so this guy charges the street preacher guy, a fight's about to break out, and finally I yanked him off of the street preacher, took him to the side, and this guy just unloaded with more emotion than you could ever imagine. He said, see, I told you God doesn't love me, see, I've done too many things wrong. And he just opened a floodgate of spiritual hurt. I'm not good enough, I've done too many things wrong. And the louder he cried, the more I tried to convince him, no, dude, you gotta understand, God does love you. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, God does love you. No, he doesn't. He does. And the more we argued, all of a sudden I felt God leading me to do something that was very strange. And I just, I heard for this guy, and he was saying God didn't love him. And I felt like God just prompted me to agree with him. I didn't believe that theologically, but practically, that's what I felt like God was telling me to do. And he said, God doesn't love me. I said, yes, he does. God doesn't love me. And finally I went, you know what? You might be right. And he just almost sobered up and went, huh? <laughs> and instantly I could see what was going to happen. I said, no, you're probably right. God probably doesn't love you. And he said, well, he might. I said, no, no, actually God loves everybody else but not you. You're, you are the exception. His love is for everyone else. But you, you've been too bad. You, ha you probably have sinned one too many times. And he went, uh-uh. And the next thing you know, the harder I argued against the love of God, the more passionately he argued for the love of God. He was telling me how much God loved him. I said, no, he doesn't. No, God does love me. Yeah, I said, no, he doesn't. God will forgive me. I said, no, he won't. He said, yes, he will. And right there on the spot, he led himself to Christ. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He shared the gospel of Jesus with himself. 
told me how much. We prayed right there. You say, can drunk people come to Christ? You better believe they can. I stayed in touch with this guy two years later. He was actually a volunteer youth pastor. He was changed when he recognized that God doesn't just love, but God is love, and his love covers a multitude of sins. All the way back in the garden, you remember when Adam and Eve, they sinned, and one moment they were naked and not ashamed, but when they sinned, they became naked and ashamed. What did God do? God took an innocent animal, took the life of the innocent animal, then he covered their shame with the skin of that animal. New Testament, when, when Jesus told a story about a son who left home and went and partied hard and wasted his father's wealth and sinned and, and came home filthy, what did the father do? He welcomed him back and took the robe and he covered him. You feel unworthy today. You are, and so am I. That's what makes his love so beautiful. His, his love covers our sins. I love the way it's phrased in the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Would you help me out, all of our one prayer churches? But when the kindness and the what, would you say that phrase aloud? But when the kindness and the what, and the, and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but instead because of his mercy, when the love of God appeared. God's love covers our sins. The second thing is this, when you start to feel very insignificant, remember this, it's God's love that makes you significant. It is his love that makes you who he wants you to be. Jeremiah 31 verse three, God says, I have loved you with what kind of a love? All of our churches say it together. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He said, I've drawn you with what? I've drawn you with a loving kindness. God is drawing some of you today with a loving kindness. You may say, but there's so many of us. How could God care about me? I feel so insignificant. Let me tell you three quick stories. You can read these in Luke 15. Jesus told three different stories showing the love of God. First story was there was a woman who had 10 coins, and one day she lost one of the coins, and she was so upset because she lost one, she ripped her house apart, looking everywhere to find the missing one. There was another story, a father who had two sons, and one son left home, and even though there was still another son at home, every day the father went out to the edge of town, hoping, praying, waiting, watching, begging for his one son to return. Jesus told a third story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and one day one wandered away. And even though he still had 99 left, he left the 99 because his love caused him to pursue the one. So yes, even though there are six billion people in the world, and yes, even though right now around the world there are literally hundreds of thousands of people hearing the same message at the same moment, do you realize this? That maybe you are the one. You in South Africa who used to walk with God, but you walked away. His loving kindness is drawing you back. You in the Philippines who ended up divorced and, you're, and you have shame and guilt and remorse over this and you feel unworthy, God's loving kindness is drawing you to himself. 
You in Chile who've never really been a part of a church, but something's happening today, and there's something drawing you toward God. That is his love. That is his loving kindness pulling you toward himself. You in Italy who have a pornography problem, you feel too dirty and too unworthy. God doesn't just love you, but he is loving you right now because love is not just something that he does, it's who God is. You in England who've been an atheist all your life and something is happening right now, something is coming on inside of you, that is God loving you because it's not just what he does, you see, it's who he is. God is love. And maybe you're the one that he's pursuing. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, I took out the world and I put a blank in there because I want you to put your name in it. For God so loved Craig Rochelle, for God so loved Mary Kay, for God so loved John, for God so loved Sally, for God so loved Pierre, for God so loved Juan, for God so loved Caleb and, and Michael and Jennifer, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Because love is not just something that God does, it's who he is. One of the things that really helps me understand God's love is having more than one child. You see, when I had my first child, Katie, I was overwhelmed with love for this precious girl. I loved her so much that it almost hurt. I remember thinking, how could I possibly love another child as much as I love Katie? Then, God gave us Mandy. She had the most beautiful dark hair, and no one gives better hugs in the whole world than little Mandy. And all of a sudden, I realized that I could love two children with an equally intense, yet very, very personal love. And a couple of years later, we were blessed with Anna. The most animated and spunky daddy's little girl that ever existed. And somehow, I found even more love in my heart for yet another. A short time later, God blessed us again, this time with our first son, little Sam. The strongest, fiercest little competitor that you've ever met in your entire life. And I woke up realizing my love had somehow increased and I loved four with the most intense and yet personal kind of love. And then there was number five, Stephen Craig, we call him Buki, the most adventurous, fearless kid that's ever lived. And once again, my heart expanded with even more love. Then one day there was number six, Rebecca Joy. We call her Jojo or Joy. And she is absolutely the joy of our lives. I gotta pick up this leaf. Six kids, all very different. And I love them all with this overwhelming sense of very personal love. As I start to look at my different children, I start to understand how God can love us. Yeah, sometimes I feel really bad about myself and I often feel very insignificant. But by being a father and loving children, I can see how God can love you 
and God can love me in a very personal sort of way. And that's why we can love each other and we can love him back. Why? We love because he first loved us. There was... Yeah, sometimes ask, people ask me, you know, you know what causes all those kids? <laughs> we actually do. The problem is my wife, she just won't keep her hands off me. It gets really annoying at times. It really does. I, I beg her all the time. I'm like, can we please just cuddle tonight? No, no. <laughs> yeah, just joking. <laughs> One time a uh, little girl came running in and said, Daddy, Daddy. Did you know that God will tell you he loves you if you listen closely enough? And the dad kind of looked on and the little girl looked up to heaven. And then she smiled really big and she said, see daddy, I told you. God will tell you that he loves you if you listen closely enough. And the dad thought to himself, I didn't hear anything. But then he realized Maybe he wasn't listening closely enough. God will tell you that he loves you because it's not just something that he does, it's who he is. If you will listen closely enough. All of our one prayer churches together in prayer. Let's pray together. God, we ask that um, in this holy moment, as there are literally hundreds of thousands of us in countries around the world, that we would be overwhelmed and overcome with your unconditional love. As you're praying today in all sorts of different churches and different parts of the world, I know there are many of you that, that you, you feel unworthy and you feel undeserving and you feel insignificant. And your prayer may be very similar to mine and that is God, just help me to know you in a more intimate way. I wanna know your love, I wanna know the power and the truth of your love and your grace. Show it to me that I could be forever different. All of our one prayer churches today, those of you who say, yes, I, I really do. I battle with feelings of insignificance and I, I don't know how, I, I don't feel good enough. God, I want to know you. I want to know your love in a more intimate way. Would you lift up your hands right now? Just churches around the world, just lift them up. If that's you today, just lift them up and say, yes, that's, that's me. God, I want to know your love in a more intimate way. Just as hands are going up all over the place. God, I pray right now that as we as the body of Christ in different parts of the world hear your word taught, as we worship in our churches, God, as we serve in our communities, as we fellowship in, in our homes with other believers, and as we reach out to those who don't know you, God, may your love become so real to us that we can't miss it. And God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed and that we would be different, God, because we understand that as believers in Christ, we are living from a position of acceptance, not because of our works or our religious uh, actions, but because of the love of God shown through the shed blood of Jesus, because he died and rose again. And God, out of that place of strength and acceptance, may we live in such a way that would reflect your love to a world that so desperately needs to know you. Show us, oh God, your love, and may we reflect it in all that we do. As you keep praying today at churches all over the world, there are some of you, you're gonna recognize right now, check this out. You're the one. You are here because God has been working on you. There's something drawing you toward God. Let me tell you what that is. That is the loving kindness of God. 
And let me just be real honest with you. You're going to recognize you are unworthy. And that's, that's the reality. We all are. We are born with a sin nature. And when you do something wrong and you feel that, that sense of guilt or you, you feel like God is distant, it's because your sin separates you from a holy God. But check this out. God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus. This is how God demonstrated his love for us, Scripture says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the message of the gospel. That's why the gospel means good news. And here is the good news, that you can never work your way to God, but God made a way through his son, Jesus. That's why today there are those of you, you're, you're, you're being drawn to God and you recognize it. You're the one. You're the one God's been reaching out to. What do you do? You simply acknowledge it. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I believe that you are the Son of God, that you are a manifestation of the love of God, that you died and you rose again so I could live forever, and today I call on your name. And let me tell you what happens when you do. You will be changed. Your old life is gone. All of your sins will be forgiven by God. You will, as you call on him, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will never, ever be the same. And there are those of you around the world God has been working and has been leading up to this moment, the beginning of your real life, life walking with God through his son Jesus. Call on his name today. You can sense it. It's here. This, this is your spiritual destiny. This is the moment for you to begin a relationship with God through Christ. Jesus, would you save me? Would you be the Lord of my life? I turn from my sins and I turn to you. That's your prayer today at churches around the world. Would you lift your hands high right now? All over the place, just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. As hands go up here and over there and others of you, just lift up your hands and say, yes, that's my prayer. Yes, save me. Hands up here and all over the place. As hands are going up at churches, all over the world. Would you all just unite your voices together with thousands of believers and would you just pray this aloud right now? Pray, pray aloud, pray, Heavenly Father, everybody together, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, forgive me, make me new. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to know you and to serve you. Show me your love and help me show it to the rest of the world. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. And churches around the world explode with worship of a loving God who sent his son Christ.